0: My name is Marlo. I'm one of the pastors. If you're new this morning, uh, either in the gathering or engaging online, it's so good to be together. And um, I want to mention as well, uh, before we dive into the message, water baptism, Sunday, December the 12th, the day that Pastor Joel preaches uh, a, a message about joy in our... Didn't you like that? I, I heard a chuckle. Thank you, Mariah. Uh, uh, advent series. Oh, it's Genius. Genius. It's not my idea. Others have used it. But what a great day uh, to hear that message. And if you have not taken that step, you're a Christ follower, you've committed your life to Christ, the next step is to step into the waters of baptism. And the New Testament, we see consistently this baptism uh, by immersion, if you have not done that or, or maybe have not been baptized that way. Encourage you to consider and uh, show up at the class on December 5th in the portable at 9 a.m. that Pastor Joel will be leading. Uh, I believe we have three or four already uh, in line to be baptized that day, and those are always exciting Sundays. God, we humbly pray you would guide us in your word now and open our lives, minds, and hearts to your word in Jesus' name, amen. Today is the last Sunday in our Soul Care series that we've been doing for uh, seven or eight weeks uh, based on the book Soul Care by Dr. Rob Reimer, which of course is, this is the foundation upon which we, we stand and, and speak the, the Word of God. But we've used it as a guide uh, in our small groups and in these, uh, these Sunday mornings. It's been, I believe, very, very significant for our church. And when I say our church, I mean people, myself included. Um, it's just, uh, it's so rich in, in uh, life change biblical material. And if you are just joining in today, I uh, encourage you to go to Eaglemont Church and, and catch up over the next number of days or weeks uh, on these messages. There's just a very helpful teaching there that you uh, encourage you to take, take advantage of. There's a lot to cover today, so I'm going to talk fast, so listen fast if you can do that, all right? Years ago, my dad was pastoring in Sherwood Park and had met a lady who told how she was having all kinds of trouble, some strange trouble as well with her teenage son. Before her son was born, this lady, she told my dad she, that she was living in Eastern Europe and uh, she was uh, planning to get married to, to a man. Uh, this, this certain man and this, this man's parents were opposed for whatever reason to the marriage and they actually said, if you get married, we will put a curse on your first child. Blows my mind, but that's what they said. This couple did end up getting married and they had a child. That child, for years, was demonically harassed. My dad had a meeting one day with this lady and her son at the church where he was pastoring at the time. And he asked, first of all, he asked the, the, the mother to wait outside the office as he wanted to explore the presence of demonic activity with just the boy. After some time, there was nothing evidenced. My dad told me, he says, suddenly an idea came to my mind. Probably the Holy Spirit in those moments, right? He had noticed the mom had a necklace with a little cross pendant on it. And he decided to ask her if he could borrow that cross pendant. He closed his hand around that little cross and went back into the office, and he held his hand out to the boy and and, and said, "Would would you please hold what I'm going to give you? And so the boy reached out his open hand, and my dad opened his and revealed that it was a cross. The boy jolted back immediately. My dad asked, well, what's wrong? Why won't you hold the cross? My dad tells me that at that point, the boy's face contorted, and There was a sinister voice, another voice, that came from within that boy saying, because I don't want to offend my master. Demonic activity, whether covert, (laughs) we might call it, or demonstrative, is a reality. Today we're dealing with a heavy topic And if you're a guest and you're exploring faith, trying to put the pieces together, connect the dots on what it means to be a Christ follower, uh, uh, join in, open your heart, listen. If you have questions after, I would be happy to chat with you. You can contact the church office. But this is true biblical stuff. For some of you, this, and let me say this, this, all of this is nothing that a genuine Christ follower needs to fear in any way. Students, adults, this type of stuff can strike fear in our hearts. It does not need to because we belong to the master of the universe. For some of you, this discussion may be completely new, as I said, or some of you may tend to think, well, that stuff happened when Jesus was on earth, but demons today, really? Well, this chapter in the Soul Care book contains, if you read it, some crazy stories. But my Christian friends, again, don't be fearful. Don't be repelled by these. Please, if, if there's a, any sense of skepticism. Now, critical thinking and assessing, you know, is this person credible and telling the truth? Oh, always, always. And it goes for us. And I, I like what Joel said uh, the other week. And I remember my dad saying this when I was a kid and listening to my dad preach every Sunday. Like my kids have to. They're so blessed. But he would say, Don't believe me, check it out with God's Word, the Bible. That applies every Sunday, and certainly today. This is our our plumb line. But for some of you that there's this skepticism about this stuff, go read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, particularly. or or reread the Gospels with an eye for when Jesus dealt with demonic activity or demons. He did quite often. Uh, Of course, we we shouldn't be overly focused, as I think I've observed in some Christians over the years, overly focused on the devil's activity. But again, there's a biblical reality here that we need to be aware of and, and, and approach in a way that Jesus wants us to. And I think it's fair to say that there may have been times, even from myself and my own pastoral leadership, when, when, when we haven't given enough attention to this reality in some circumstances. Now, there are, there are one or two things I, I probably view a little differently than the author of the, of the Soul Care book, but that's okay. It's just a book. It's the case in most books we, we read, probably. It's not the Bible, right? Um... But the essence of this chapter, even though it may stretch you, is is solidly biblical regarding the reality of the demonic realm and, and, and our need to be fortified in Christ against Satan's influence, however it may come into our lives. This chapter also reminds us of the authority that Jesus gave every one of us as Christ followers to stand against Satan's power and influence. I'd also encourage you to read, and many of you have, I'm sure, C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. It's a creative look at how Satan attempts to attack us. And it's imaginary conversation, but based on truth. A dialogue, the a small book, a dialogue between an experienced demon and an apprentice demon whose job it is to spiritually derail a young man. Classic book, insightful, encourage that read for you. But again, as as Christians, I'll say it again, we do not, we do not need to be fearful because Satan is defeated by Christ and he's powerless over us. Unless, of course, we open the door. And that can happen in a number of different ways to his influence. Let's look first at what the Bible says about Lucifer's fall from his original place in heaven as an angel of God. mind-boggling Isaiah 14 tells us that God kicked Lucifer out of heaven because pride entered his heart and he wanted to take God's place you know just kind of push the creator of the universe to the side and he could do a better job so he thought there's also indication in scripture that a third of the angels sided with Lucifer and they got the boot too because sin cannot exist in heaven so they were gone and those angels are now what the New Testament calls demons or unclean spirits. It's just hard to imagine that they would, they would make that trade of, of, of location, of mission, of allegiance, <laughs> but they did. And now they are the origin of every spiritual battle we face and every element of brokenness in our culture, in our society, in our world, in our universe. Ever since Satan was kicked out of heaven, he's attempted to undermine every good purpose of God for human beings, and mostly that includes just trying to keep us from trusting Christ, obviously every day of our life, but, but and certainly for, for our eternal salvation. If he can intercept that, and he'll try in any way, That's his aim. Be aware. In John's reliable gospel narrative, Jesus describes Satan this way. John 8, 44. He says, he, Satan, Jesus speaking, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he's a liar and the father of lies. Love Jesus' clarity there. And then, A little while later in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, great missionary of the Christian faith, reminds Christ followers in 2 Corinthians 11 that Satan masquerades. He dresses up to be, to make you think he's something that he's not. Masquerade. He disguises himself, it says in that verse, as an angel of light. Oh, nice. There's some religious opportunities, spiritual opportunities out there that talk a lot about this light that's within you. (laughs) Unless it's the light by the presence of the Spirit of God, because you've trusted Christ, surrendered your life to Him as the forgiver and leader of your life, it's not a light that you want to be led by. In other words, Satan will make this masquerading as an angel of light. He'll he'll, he'll make what he's trying to offer you seem good. He tries to make what he intends for your demise to appear attractive, maybe even exciting. It's okay. If I move in with this person, we're going to get married anyway. What's God saying? Same author, different book, Ephesians. Paul writes God tells us through Paul's words, directing him to write that the devil has, has schemes, my friend, for you, for me, uh, um, strategies, strategy, evil strategies to entrap Christ followers to the point where they can come, they're, they're, to the point where there can come to be strongholds as the bible puts it established in our lives we cannot doubt that satan is alive and active today he's working overtime to to deceive to distract to destroy you talk about 3d there it is to deceive to distract to destroy what god has planned for you it's his aim his scheme against your your life, against your eternity. We must be on guard about this. Not fearful, but aware. There's always been evil. We know that. There's always Satan has always been at work ever since he came to Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and you see there's a there's a there's a reason God's told us in Hebrews 10 not to give up meeting together as believers but to do that more and more as you see the end coming and there's somebody else knows that the end there's somebody else that knows the end is coming. Case could be made, I think. I believe that Satan's activity and the intensity, intensity of it is ramping up as he knows his end is coming closer every day. And so we need increasing encouragement among ourselves as believers more and more. That's what the scripture says in Hebrews 10. There are seemingly innocent things like playing with a Ouija board that isn't so spiritually benign as, as you may think. There's evil. There's, uh, there, there's the escalation of human trafficking. Sexual sin has been around ever since the beginning that sin entered the world. It just seems like Satan finds more and more ways to distort what is beautiful when I- experienced as God has has designed it to be experienced in the covenant commitment of marriage between a man and a woman. Beautiful. But wow, isn't Satan working overtime? Students, listen to me. He is. Young people, us, older people, all of us. Listen to to what God's word says about how to, to experience the greatest joy and fulfillment in this area is exactly how God designed it to be. Everything else is a cheap imitation or much worse than that. Evil all around. Political corruption, or, or something like this recent Travis Scott concert in Houston, I mean, blatantly of demonic origin. My encouragement this morning, whatever it is, maybe it's a, a, a private habit that you're engaged in, or whatever it is, there, there really is evil all around, but sometimes here, and, and, and the Bible says we're born with a sin nature. That nature is made new when we come to Christ. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we don't struggle then from, with temptation. That's an on, that'll, that'll go on till we get to heaven. Satan's at work, is all I'm saying. There, there, there really is evil all around. And so, Christians, be on your guard. Adults, students, don't allow the stuff that originates from the pit of hell to infiltrate your life or your mind in any way. Let's, let's all, all of us, let's be on guard. In the New Testament, a little later, Peter warns Christians to be alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Peter says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, 1 Peter 5. Resist, that's that's not a passive word, it's an action word. Recognize that as Christ followers, you're a target. Again, not to bring about fear, there's no need for that but to just be aware and proactive and and thus to take steps of engaging with God's word and praying with a Christian uh, uh, brother or sister regularly, whatever those things are. So. What about strongholds, this word? Um, We see the word in in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Listen to words that Paul wrote under the direction of the Holy Spirit. He says the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish, he writes, verse five, arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It's not just a head knowledge, that's a relational knowledge that Satan is trying to destroy. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's what we need to do. And how that looks, we don't have time to get into that today. But if you want to explore that more in discussion, do that with a, a Christian friend you trust. Or, or, or touch base with me, fire me an email, or call the church office. We'd love to talk with you about that more. A stronghold is anything Satan uses to his advantage to keep us from being obedient to Jesus. That's it in a nutshell, stronghold. It can be be a mindset, it can be a sinful activity, uh, an addiction, an attitude where Satan has established some degree of influence or control because we've given that to him. A stronghold is often evidenced by old and persistent uh, ingrained thought patterns or persistent sin patterns that we may in fact need supernatural deliverance from as we submit to a brother or sister in Christ to pray for us who knows God and knows the power of God in their own life. God provides us with spiritual weapons like his word and prayer, uh, the the armor of God, the the metaphor of all of the aspects of the armor of God that Paul writes about in Ephesians 6. You need to go this week and you need to read Ephesians 6. Weapons, spiritual weapons. We need to access these weapons. Moving on, I I like what Dr. Reimer uh, says to to born-again Christians, and I'm using that term just like Jesus did in John 3, because it's possible to be a cultural Christian. Because I was born in a Christian family, all of a sudden I'm a Christian. That, that's not biblical. You have to make the choice to step across that line of faith, to surrender to Jesus Christ, recognizing he's the Lord of the universe, and he wants to be Lord and leader of your life, because he loves you most, and he knows you best. And so you come to that place of surrendering to him, and it's a, it, begins a, it begins in a, re- a relationship that's, that's personal, that's real, that, that's eternal. That's eternal. The Bible says. So that's what Jesus was really meaning when he used this term born again. The spirit that is dead comes alive because the spirit of God dwells within us in that moment of expressed faith in the cross and in Jesus Christ as God and savior and forgiver, right? But I like what Dr. Reimer says. Um, Demonic forces can influence are thinking and tempt us. The question is, to what degree can they influence us? I do not use the word demon possession, he says. That implies ownership and Christians cannot be owned. We have been bought for a price by the blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to God. The ownership issue is settled, he says. He says, I prefer to use the word demonization when it's a genuine Christian that is experiencing some of this stuff. And again, regarding Christians, which, which, he says, uh, which describes this this demonization regarding Christians or in Christians' lives, d- just is describing this this demonic influence to varying degrees and, and, and in different ways. I like what he says there about that. As, as a side note, I do view a little differently than him uh, when he when he talks about that. That Christians can have, and he words it, uh, indwelling demons. And he makes a case for it, um, a good case, and it's worth, worth considering. And I'm not telling you what to think on this. But, but from just my perspective, humble, humbly submitting it, uh, from what I see in the New Testament, to me, I, I just can't yet or maybe ever, I don't know, get my head around, or it doesn't make sense that the spirit of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a Christ follower that, that is occupied by the Holy Spirit of God also has room for uh, um, an evil spirit to actually dwell there as well. I, demonic influence upon a genuine Christian? Absolutely. Yes, happens in, in, in a, a variety of ways. Demonical oppression, even if you kind of picture that word, oh that's not a, that's not a that's not a good word. A demonic oppression upon a genuine Christ follower, yes, it happens. And, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste time arguing about this. I encourage you in your small groups not to take a lot of time because it can be a, it can really be a waste of time, and I I'm not gonna debate this, so don't even try. And there are respected theologians on, on both sides of, of this question. Not to mention that whether the, whether the demon is within, actually indwelling a Christian, or is exerting its influence from the outside, the outcome, the desired outcome, is the same. That, that demon is still subject to the power in the name of Jesus. And, and no matter how we define Satan's influence in the believer's life, Jesus is able to bring absolute freedom. So it doesn't really matter. It's a waste of time, that, that debate. The one caution I'd offer in this, though, is that a, a Christian can't expect deliverance if Satan is harassing or influencing or controlling in some way. A Christian can't expect deliverance, which which is great and biblical, if they're not willing to make the commitment to actually walk in obedience to God and his word in tandem with the, you know, dependence on the Holy Spirit, it's that that will fortify us against demonic influence. So on the other side of deliverance that can come in a moment by the power of God, absolutely. What happens on the other side of that in the Basic Christian disciplines, accountability to others. Not that you're never gonna fail again. That's not that, that's not it. But that heart posture and 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 pointed a, a specific direction of spiritual health and growth and commitment to it in in, in fellowship with other belief, that, that, that's that's gotta be part of the picture. Or you're gonna find yourself very quickly back in the very same place. Where you as a Christian, you don't wanna be. I know that. Now, let's look briefly at Jesus' ministry of deliverance. Racing through this, really, there's so much. Mark, Mark 1, 16 to 22, we see, the, we see uh, that on the first day of Jesus' public ministry, he calls his first disciples, and then he's teaching in the synagogue, and it's observed that he's teaching with authority. And then, verse 23 and 27 says just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out what do you want with us jesus have you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one of god it's a demon speaking through a man the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek because <laughs> jesus was there the power of jesus And then we see in verse 27 that the people were amazed, observing that this Jesus, they said, even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. It's like they were surprised. They had obviously been aware and seen evidence of the crazy stuff of of evil spirits in people's lives. Maybe their family members, maybe their friends, their neighbors, their people in their town. Even, he he gives orders to them, and, and they disappear. Huh, it's cool. And, and there are numerous deliverance occurrences by Jesus in the Gospels. Again, a few verses later, Mark 1, 32 to 34. After sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. There it is again. And then verse 35, the next day, we see the key, the key. Key for us to have authority over Satan's destructive word uh, work is, is the habit of prayer and Jesus modeled it. He says, Jesus got up early left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Further reading references there you can take a picture of or note. Uh, if you miss it you can let me know but uh, take some time reflecting on, on these scriptures. Prayer in this is vital because it's how we come to see God's perspective and gain his discernment and power. In these situations, through, through prayer, we come to lean on God's power that is available to us. If we want to be used by God, and, and, and I believe some of you do, to, to help others experience deliverance in their lives, a consistent prayer life is, is non-negotiable, really. So let's look now at, at Christ's followers' authority uh, over demonic powers that Jesus has given us. And please try to get the uh, Hollywood scenes out of your head. Although some of the real life stuff is pretty crazy at times too. We know that Jesus displayed power over every element of demonic activity. And of course he did. He's God, right? But he's also given his followers authority over every of Satan to bring his evil uh, influence and or control into people's lives. Example, Mark 6, 7, Jesus sent his disciples out in twos, and the Bible says that Jesus gave them power over unclean spirits. Cool, awesome. We want to be a conduit of God's freedom that he can bring, right? Or power to bring freedom. He knew what was awaiting them out there. So he gave them his authority, his power. And they they wisely chose to tap into that authority. In verses 12 and 13, it says they went out, preached that people should repent. That just simply means turning the other direction away from your sinful life. And they cast out many demons and many sick people were healed. Thank you, Lord. And then Luke 10, 17. Luke points out that the disciples came back from their ministry trip that Jesus had sent them out on with joy. Why? Why? They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I told you that. <laughs> that's cool. And that's great because, again, Jesus said they would be. And they were, they were used by God as any one of us. If you're a disciple of Jesus, that can be you as God leads And again, there are some scripture references on the screen that you can read later. This is accounts of Christ followers dealing with demonic beings in the first century church. And we're a part of that church today. Let's not forget, Jesus has given every believer authority over evil spirits. So please hear that. That does not mean we take it flippantly. But as we trust in Jesus, that authority is there. If you find yourself in situations like these uh, dealing with what is a, a, a you know, apparent uh, demonic activity or, or, a, or a sin pattern that is a sin pattern in someone's life that is just grip, whatever it is, uh, of, of course, as church leaders we're, we're willing to come alongside, but, but the pastor doesn't bring any extra power. Because of the title? No. Any genuine Christian. Can operate in the power of Jesus, who resides in all of us by his Spirit. And we're not presumptuous. We're trusting God, this is your work. We're humble. As Dr. Reimer puts it, our confession of sin in our life is up to date when we step into those potential interactions with demonic activity. And if it's not, you, you back away. You say, I'll be back in two minutes. And you get it around the corner. You say, God, I confess this sin to you now. I put it under the blood of Jesus. It's gone. By your grace, thank you. And you step back engaging in this ministry. It's what it is. Deliverance with your friend. Dr. Reimer gives some very good and practical input on page 253 of his book, uh, Deliverance Help Sheet, he calls it. Just some good stuff. You need to read that if you haven't. And then he shares some critical uh, material in this Deliverance chapter in a section entitled The Process of Deliverance. Um, And again, please take time to read it carefully. And if you've not read the book yet, or you're just hearing about it today, I encourage you to, uh, to, to get the book and, and read it. And, and again, ideally, it's, it's intended to, to do in community with somebody else. So bear that in mind. If you have questions about it, uh, encourage you to touch base with Pastor Joel in the church office. A comment from Dr. Reimer that I feel is very wise in this area of deliverance is when he writes about letting the battle come to you. He says, don't go on a witch hunt. And, I, and again, I, th- I think I've seen that at times. And he put it well. He helped me in my understanding as I look back, you know, over the years in, in ministry and, 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 and church life and what have you. Um, that's, that's wise. Uh, be ready. He's, he's saying be ready, be available, be walking closely with God so he can use you if he chooses in this way. But, but don't, don't, don't chase it down. Let, let God bring people your way who need supernatural deliverance in any way. Let God bring those people your way if he he chooses to do so, right? It's a good word. I conclude with another experience that my dad shared with me. He's been around a while, so he's got a few. That's a nicer way of saying it, I think. You know, my kids would just say, Dad, you're old. (laughs) I would never say that to you, Dad. I wouldn't. But... uh, (laughs) a rich blessing to have a heritage in Christ. And the ministry of my dad has had a shaping influence on me, for which I'm grateful. I didn't plan to say that. And if I had planned to say it, I would have hoped I could have done without choking up. But some of you know me well enough. That's not even possible. It's something like that. In 2007, my dad was in Argentina. He was preaching at a church and uh, as was the pattern after the message, there was an opportunity for people to surrender their lives to Jesus and also to come forward for prayer for, for anything. And people stood across a long line and he, along with two other prayer partners from that church, just went down the line as the rest of the church was, was engaged in worship and prayer and singing and, and there was meaningful prayer happening down, down the line uh, by, by these three ministers. And all of us can be ministers, right? That's not the pastor. That's people that are just available to serve. That's what the word means, to serve, right? But people stood in this line, and my my dad and these two prayer partners from that church went down the line, as I said. They got to a a certain lady that they began to, when they began to pray for her, she immediately dropped to the floor and began writhing like a snake. It's his words. At which point, my dad simply and, and, and the two prayer partners simply re- recognizing the demonic source of, of this situation simply got down beside her and just, just pressed in, in in praying for her in Jesus' name for deliverance, of course. Well, it was fairly soon that the strange movements subsided and, 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 and peace settled over her, obviously within her. She eventually got to her feet, and she walked out at the end of that meeting free from that demonic influence. The next day, my dad and his host were in a particular business in that city. The same woman just happened to be there as well. She came up to my dad and through an interpreter just expressed thanks. She said, thank you, thank you. You brought brought peace to my heart and to my home. Hmm. Well, it was Jesus who who brought that gift of peace. But through available servants of, of God. Which any of you who are Christ followers want also to be. And God could use you that way as well, if that experience ever came your way. Might be out of your comfort zone, but that's okay. All the more reason to depend on Christ and the Holy Spirit in that moment, which is the best thing, the only thing we can do, situations like that. And they may not all be, you know, that dramatic. There may be times when you recognize, maybe you don't even say anything, but you know the person that's talking to you and sharing with you and you're going to be praying for them, you know they need deliverance. You, you lean in to trusting God in that moment. Someone texted me a couple days ago, like the worship team to come, as they, as they were reading this chapter, they, they were, someone from our church family, they were encouraged by this statement on page 248 of, of the Soul Care book. Don't settle, Dr. Reimer said, don't settle for a little bit more of God in your life press in and press through and discover the freedom and fullness of God in Christ. And of course, that's a capsulating statement for the whole book, certainly for this chapter as well, obviously. But, but, and then this, this person texted th- this statement. They, they just said in, in reference to that quote, what a, what a great summary statement. And it is for where we've been. And I hope that this soul care thing doesn't end here today or with the end of your small group this week as you get together and discuss this. I hope it doesn't. I hope this idea of what it means to care for your soul stays with you the rest of your life. And you find increasing ways as God leads you in his word and in interaction with other growing Christians to ways that you can... New, new ways. I'm not talking about outside of God's word, of course, but, but, but new things that become habits and, and default reactions for you to, to care well for your soul. It's good to care for yourself physically and all of the other aspects of life and your finances and how you're honoring God there. And, but you know what? All of that, all of that other stuff of life comes out of how we care for our soul in the way that Jesus has made clear, as God has made clear in his word I want to close with a different scripture than is on the screen, no, I think we actually changed that, it should be John 8, 36 hopefully, but if it's not, it's easy to remember many of you know it, whom the Son sets free S-O-N, capital S It's Jesus, God, the Son not the Son of God, lesser God than the Father, no God the Son, Jesus whom the Son sets free Jesus is speaking of himself here, is free indeed there's the gift of freedom that some of you need today you don't have to divulge it necessarily unless you have a trusted Christian friend you want to but we're going to have an opportunity for prayer and I'm going to and, and it, it, if you're online, listen. This is this is this is so for you, obviously as well. There's a there's a request prayer button actually that you can uh, that you can hit. I encourage you to seek, ask for the prayer of one of the hosts today, and thank you hosts for your ministry. I'm going to lead in a closing prayer in a moment, and as I'm praying, if you want someone to pray for. Deliverance in your life in, for anything, for any reason at all i 'm going to invite you we 're going to stand in a moment i 'm going to invite you just to find your way over and i 'm going to prayer partners if you could find your way over to this this area and, and we put it over there just, just not to push it off to the side as we 've done, but after dismissal. There's probably prayer that's still going to happen And so um, those of you that are going to be praying this morning I'm going to ask you just to kind of spread out From the other side of this stage door A uh, little bit spread out all the way around the, the, the west wall there Thank you for your willingness to pray With people who, who may come today And I, I, hope, I hope you will take advantage Of this prayer opportunity You don't have to divulge anything Just say, I need prayer Would you pray? You don't even have to say that You just approach and say Hi and there you go. If, if, if you want to share a little bit, of course. Of course you can. And I hope that you would be able in these moments to have the courage. Because you're among friends and, and family, really. As you move over to receive prayer, it, it, it's. The, I, I think the rest of us are just going, Oh, that's good. Way to go. I don't know what's going on, but God does. I'm glad that they have that opportunity today. So don't don't be... Don't be timid about asking for prayer. That's, that's courageous. That's courageous. And we all need it at different times in different ways to varying degrees. We all do, myself included. So open your heart to that this morning and I'm, I'm convinced that God will, will bring a supernatural break in whatever area of your life you need that. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's a sin. I, God's able no matter what it is. So Stand to your feet, if you would, please. The musicians are just going to continue to play for a few moments, and I'm going I'm to begin to pray. But I'm, get, I'm saying to you, when I begin to pray, it's okay. I'm asking you, if you want prayer, to move. You can still pray as you, as you walk over, you know, no disrespect, right? But I'm going to begin to pray, and as, as soon as I begin to pray, I encourage you, if this is something you need and want in your life in your mind, in your spirit get prayer, receive prayer receive prayer today, it's a gift from God Heavenly Father I thank you for the truth of your word I thank you we we thank you for what you have seen fit to Delivered to us so many centuries after Jesus the freedom giver walked this earth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Satan has a plan but God your plan supersedes it. Don't forget that. My friend don't forget that. God, we receive your freedom today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As we wait in a, quiet, in a couple of, of sacred moments, you can still move and receive prayer. I encourage you to do that if this is a need in your life, really. For the rest of us in these moments, allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. Maybe, maybe He wants to use you in a way that you've never been used by God before. And and that's used in a positive, exciting, God honoring way, right? You may want to just pray this morning God, I'm available. I'm available to be a conduit of your love, of your message of the freedom that can come to others in the name of Jesus. I wanna be a servant. I wanna be a servant sent by you. Just like those first disciples you sent out two by two. God, I wanna be sent. Every day of my life, may I go out the door of my house saying, I'm available. God, may I be able to share and show your grace and your love and your truth And give the gift of prayer for somebody that may not expect me to ask if there's something I can pray about with them. Use me. God, use me today. May, may that be our prayer every day. God, we, lo- we live and we move in your power, in your authority, in your grace, with your wisdom, and with your compassion for people in our world. In our neighborhood, on our sports team, students, young people, every activity you have, those activities are awesome. But God has you there. God has you in the class that he has you in for a reason. He wants to use you to be a messenger, a a sharer of God's love and grace with others. Talk to him right now. Ask him. to use you in whatever way he wants in your family for some of you some of you have family members that do not know Christ personally and that's 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 challenging God wants to use you to show and share his message <laughs> family can be probably the hardest place to do that sometimes but God can use you to make a difference in the lives of others if you're available You're available as you surrender to Him. And I want to do the same thing as an individual Christ follower. I want that for my life every day. Jesus, use us. Thank you, God.